Hey, good morning. Good morning, you guys. I uh, hope you're doing great on this Thanksgiving weekend. I hope you had a great Thanksgiving day with family and um, friends and uh, lots of food and uh, some uh, good celebration. Um, lots going on as we move through the holiday season. Um, hope everybody will be safe and uh, just uh, safe travels and uh, be safe. We're talking about, I love my church. And uh, man, it, the church, the church should be your life because in eternity, it is everything. It's everything. And um, I hope more and more as we're talking about this topic and about what the church is, that we're falling more and more in love with the church and we're connecting deeper and deeper and deeper because the church, out of everything on the planet, the church is the only thing that will last forever that's eternal. Everything else, everything else that we know is going to perish. It's gonna pass away. Only Jesus and his church, his body, his people are going to live forever. So I love my church. We're uh, talking about the foundational truths, which is uh, the body of Christ is the ecclesia, the called out ones, those who have answered the call. And the call goes out to everyone and anyone. Those who have answered the call come into the ecclesia, the body of Christ. And in the body of Christ and on all of the universe, all authority belongs to Jesus. All belonging is because he extends an invitation to everyone. And all authority is his, or all construction is the work of his hands. And so it all belongs to him. And you and I, and everyone on the planet, every tribe, every nation, every person is invited. The call goes to everyone. God invites everyone and anyone to come in, to enter into his grace through faith in Jesus. We place our faith in Christ and we come into the body of Christ. Now, we love the church. We love the church because the church is um, um, many, many things. A boatload of awesome things. And every one of them is eternal. The church is the body of Christ. The church is the way, the only way. There is no other way into heaven except through the church, through being a part of the body of Christ. The church is the only connection to God that we can pray and have communication with the Lord. The church is the bride. The church is made up of us, people, a bunch of misfits that that don't belong, that are broken, that God is repairing and, and bringing into his kingdom. The church is where forgiveness is found. The church is the truth. The church is like a potluck of just a variety of people, all that bring something to the table. And, and in the church, we find every answer that is critical to our existence. And this is why we love the church. And we're talking about this last issue about every question because every vital question is answered in the church. Every one of them. And <coughs> excuse me. So under this umbrella of I love my church, we're talking about 
big questions that people, that the world, that all of us <coughs> should ask, must ask at some point in our life. We all must ask. The Word of God, the Scripture touches on every vital question out there. Everything that you and I will ever deal with, God has already dealt with. He's already touched on in his word because, because it's true. What was will always be. And Ecclesiastes says there is nothing new under the sun. So what is from the beginning of time to this moment in history? God has dealt with everything, even though we uh, face things in different kinds of ways and different methods and different packaging. It's all basic foundationally the same. God has dealt with everything. And so we're digging into some big, big questions, huge questions that everyone must ask. Every human being must ask. These questions have eternal significance. These questions are a matter of eternal life and death. These are huge, and everyone should ask, everyone must ask, but, but not everybody is digging into the answer. I think there's a lot of people that are wondering these questions, but they're not going to go find the answer. And you and I come into the scene at that moment. Some ground rules as we think about big questions are these, some, are, some of the answers that are out there for the questions that we ask, that people ask, are beyond us. They're, 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 they're of God. We, we do not have the same capacity of understanding, and so they're going to be just simply beyond us. God has given us enough to know as humans, but we're never satisfied, and so some of the answer, deeper parts of the answer, are just simply going to be beyond us. Number two uh, ground rule for big questions is this. They may not be revealed right now. We, we may not know the answer today. We may know it in the future or sometime later, but some are just revealed later. And we know what that will be like when one day when, when we leave this earth and we stand before God, we're going to kind of, things are going to begin to make sense better, right? That's the idea. And third, some of the answers we may not like. We may not like the way that God answers the question. So in other words, not all answers are going to satisfy us to the fullest. Okay, because we have inquiring minds and inquiring minds want to know more than we really need to know. But God has given us what we need to know. We just want to know more because that's just in our nature to want to know more. And so far... That we've talked about two really big questions. The first one is, where did God come from? That's a huge question if you just think about that. Where did God come from? Where are the, where's God originated from? We dug into that a couple weeks ago. If you want, go, uh, go back and watch that message if you haven't seen it. And, uh, and dig with us. And, and, and I hope that um, some of what I said in that message will bring some kind of clarity to our heart and our mind and we'll be able to know it for ourselves it'll bring confidence to our own faith but it'll also give us the ability and some understanding on how to share that with other people because it's not just about us 
It's about us and then it's about everyone around us and that we are we have each other's backs and we're we are a brother's keeper and that we're trying our best to bring as many people to Christ as we possibly can. Family and friends and neighbors, our co-workers, everybody that we come in contact with. We are trying to point them to Jesus. The second question we ask is why did God make us? Why did God make all of this. Why? Why did he do it? And it has to do with our purpose. And so those are big questions. But today we're going to dig into question number three that everyone must ask. And that question is this. What's next? This is, this is, a, cool, this is a cool question to dig into. What's, what's next? Like what happens when we when we exit the planet, when we leave here, Earth, like what's out there for us? What's next? And this is a big, this is a big question, and we're, there's, I've got a lot of material for this, so we're going to hit this one today and next Sunday. I'm going to break it in half, so we're going to get half of it today, and we're going to get the other half next Sunday, and, um, and and hopefully be able to shed some light on what the answer to this question is from a biblical standpoint which is where we're going for our answers. We're not going to science for our answers. We're not going to the world or philosophy or education or intellect. We are going to God's word for our answer because God is truth and all truth comes from him. So if we wanna know the truth of our existence and the truth of why we're here and the truth about God and the truth about what's next, we've gotta to go to the source of truth and that's, that's Jesus. Is there life after death? Is there a heaven and a hell? Now, you know, uh, people want to know these things. People want to know this. These are questions about the afterlife and heaven and hell that most everybody kind of wonders. At least they should be wondering, and I think most people do wonder. And we... We as believers, we need to know these things. We need to like embrace the honor of knowing this truth and sharing this truth with the world. Like we need to be willing to take on the responsibility, not run from the responsibility, but take it on, embrace it, know it, and then hold it out, share it for others. We need to have a good answer to share with other people on topics like these, these big questions that we're digging into. See, this is what Peter meant when he said in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15, but in your hearts, talking to Christians, in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord or set apart Christ as Lord. Like, let Jesus Christ be Lord and Savior of all of you. Always, look what he says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Do this with gentleness and respect. And so Peter says to all of us, look, that's nice that you have let Jesus come in and be Lord and Savior of your life. You have set him apart in your own heart as Lord and Savior. All of your life is going to line up under the lordship of Jesus. He is Lord. He is king. But now, 
Be prepared then that you would know what you believe so you can share that with other people. We have this responsibility to do that. And so these questions, they're big. They're really big. And most everybody is wondering these issues that we're digging into. Like this one, will I really stand before God? Most people want to know that. Now, they may not dig into why uh, or the answer to that question. They may not pursue it anymore, but most everybody is wondering, am I going to stand before God one day? I mean, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a everybody question. The world is wandering and the world is wondering in the dark. They are blinded. They have been blinded by the enemy. Like some are concluding, look, if I'm not going to stand before God, and, and I think a lot of people are hoping that they're not going to stand before God, because then party on, right? Just eat, drink, and be merry. Just live it up on the planet. This is all there is. And I can just do whatever I want, right? That's, that's the conclusion of some, or that's what some people are hoping is the, the, the end result, that there is no life after death, and I just can enjoy whatever I want on this planet and make the most of it. And after that, boom, nothing's left. But other people are wondering if I will stand before God, if there is an afterlife, a heaven and a hell, then won't somebody, won't somebody please tell me what I need to do? See, I think, I think people are wondering those two things. Either they're living with this attitude of there isn't, and I'm going to just live it up, or they're living with this attitude of there might be, and if there is, I, I wish somebody would come along who knows and explain it to me. And that's us. You know, that's us. The devil, the devil has done a great job of blinding the eyes of unbelievers. They, they wonder about these big questions, but they don't dig into the answers. And so they just kind of float through life, living as if there isn't, and just hoping that there's not. Even though we all know that there is life after death. So if you know Jesus... If you are a believer, you've surrendered your life to Christ and, and you're in the word, you're like digging into the word of God and you're letting your mind like be transformed by the, by the, the word of God. If that's you, if you belong to the body, to the church, to Jesus, and then you're living in the light and you're in the know. And then you, that means that you have the truth. And if you have the truth, then we also have a responsibility to share that truth with the world. Everybody and anybody that we possibly can. Paul said in Philippians chapter 2, he said, Do nothing out of, uh, without grumbling. Do, do everything without grumbling or arguing so that you may become blameless and pure, children of God without fault in a warped and crooked generation. Then you will... Look what he says, shine among them like stars in the sky as you hold firmly to the word 
of life. You see that? Here's what Paul is, is saying to you and me. Like we, we, like first how our conduct ought to be, our behavior, like we do things in love and grace and peace. We don't beat people over the head with the word of God. We just, with without arguing, without like grumbling, we just share the love of Jesus first by our actions and then with our words. But we're ready to share that. Like we live our lives as pure, blameless and pure children of God so that nobody can point to us and, and find fault. Like they, they can't point at us and say, look what you do, look what you, how you're living your life. Who are you to tell me, right? And then he says, because then when you're doing that, you're gonna shine. Your life is gonna shine like, like stars in the universe, like stars in the sky. They're gonna just shine the glory of God. As you, he says, as you hold firmly to the word of God, but also as you hold out. That's what shining does. It provides light for other people. You hold out the word of life. That's what we're supposed to be doing. Now I'm saying all this because all of this is important for us to, to grab onto and, and, and embrace as believers in Christ, especially as we dig into these big questions, like where did God come from? Like, why did God make us? And like this question right here that we're gonna dig into today. What's next? What's next? And, and I hope to give you some good truth for this. So we're just gonna, we're just gonna begin this message and we're gonna get to point number one. And we'll get through point number one, word number one, three words I want to share with you about this. And um, we're just going to get to one today and we'll get to the other two next week. So what's next? What, what might the scripture tell us about the afterlife? And I got to say, there are literally hundreds of passages of scripture about what's next, about life after this death or after we die or after we leave this planet. And so I, we're not going to we're not going to be able to like touch on all of the passages at all, or we're not going to be read them all, but, but here's what it involves. Okay. Just in a general sense, here's what, what's next involves. It involves trumpets and angels. It involves a loud voice, glory, sheep and goats. It involves clouds. It involves the son of man, the kingdom. It involves a treasure and gold and a seat and robes and a white horse and the king of kings and the Lord of lords and a whole lot more. What's next involves a lot of things that the scriptures teach us. So let me share with you three key words that will help anyone understand better what's next. And the first word that I want to share with you today is this word, eternity. What's next? Eternity. Eternity is next. And I got two more words for you that we're going to get to next week, but I just want to share this one word with you today. What's next? Eternity is what's next. And we're already in a sense living in an overlap of eternity. We live in this world in the flesh, but we have received from God the Holy Spirit in our lives who is the eternal Holy Spirit. So we already have eternity living in us as we live out and finish out this, 
this phase of, of all that God is doing life on planet Earth. And so we already have eternity living in us. But what's next after we leave physical planet Earth is eternity. This word means it's unending. Eternity is unending. It's forever. There's no beginning to it and there's no end to it. It's infinite. It is not. Eternity is not bound by time or space or anything physical. It's all spiritual and it's all forever. In eternity, we will be changed. In eternity, when eternity, when life on planet Earth ends and we enter eternity, we step into eternity, we will receive eternal bodies. We will not have this body of flesh that is falling apart and our hair is falling out and we're getting gray and our knees hurt and our shoulders hurt and our back hurts and all this stuff, okay? We are not going to have these physical bodies. We are going to take on a new body. It's going to be an eternal body, a spiritual body. In fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, sorry, 1 Corinthians 15, not one, but 15, 51 through 57, 547, no, 51 through 57. That's a lot of verses to read if it's 547. Uh, 51 through 57 says this, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. That's cool. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable. That word means eternal. Not physical, not something that will perish like our food or our bodies or this earth, but something that is imperishable. It will never die. And we shall be changed, he says, for this perishable body that we're living in now must be must put on the imperishable and this mortal body this death body must put on immortality when the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on the immortality then shall come to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory Mm, that's beautiful, right? That death, death on this planet, death that came to man because of sin will be swallowed up. It will be no more and victory will be eternal. Oh, death, oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death, where is your sting? Because death, death physically will no longer have any chains on us because we will leave the physical and we will enter into the eternal or the spiritual. We will be changed into eternal beings with everlasting bodies. We will no longer be of the flesh on this planet. Eternal, eternal. See, that's what's next. The eternal is what's next. In the previous two questions that we asked, where did God come from and why are we here? Why did he make us? Both answers have their origins in eternity, in that which is 
eternal. God is eternal. God is from, we said, the land of eternity, which is a spiritual place, a spiritual place, not a physical place. So it's not up there. Even though when we pray, we kind of look to the heavens. And when Jesus prayed, he looked to the heavens, signifying that it isn't here. It isn't like on the earth. It is somewhere else. It's not physical. It's not of the planet. It is eternal, but it's not necessarily up there. There's not a place. It's spiritual. It's a spiritual place. The fact that in the beginning, God created back in Genesis, in the beginning, God made it all confirms again, that we talked about when we dug into those two questions, that God is not from time. He is not from our creation. He was before it all was made, right? He is from outside of time. He is from outside of space. So that very existence of God, the very existence of God verifies that there is more out there. There's more than just this created life that he made. The presence of God outside the creation confirms there is life outside this planet. Something after this. Something that was before this and something that will be after this. Have eternal life. Have eternal life. Probably one of the most quoted or recognized or known verses in the world. We see people holding up the sign at football games and basketball games, right? John 3.16. John 3.16. Like everybody knows John 3.16. They may not know what the verse says or what it means, but they all know John 3.16, right? Everybody knows it. Everybody knows it. It's like... Accepted, it's like MasterCard, accepted everywhere. Like everybody knows this. One verse, if they don't know anything else, they know this one verse. And the verse says this, for God so loved the world, John three sixteen, that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him, that's the door is open to anyone. Whoever believes in him, belief it's an active word. It's not a passive word. It means placing your faith. It means lining your life up in obedience to Jesus. Whoever believes, it's not just mental, but it's heart, body, mind, and soul, and spirit. It's, it's obedience to Christ in everything we do. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. This is one of the greatest verses in all of the scripture that everybody kind of knows. And in it, Jesus says, if you put your faith and trust in him, if you believe in Jesus, you will not perish. In other words, go away from God, be, be separated in eternity from God, but you will have eternal life. Life always represents God. God is life. Death always represents evil. So there's death in eternity and there's life in eternity. And whoever believes and has Jesus Christ as Lord will not perish, but will have eternal life. Shall not perish, but have everlasting eternal 
life. Jesus taught about the things of eternity. He taught of the things of heaven. He taught of the things of hell. He taught of everlasting life. He talked about his eternal kingdom. Jesus said in John 5, whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life. Similar to this in Matthew 10, 28, do not fear those who kill the body, but cannot kill the soul. Rather, fear him who can destroy both soul and body into hell. Jesus speaks of hell, a place where people will go after they leave this earth, hell or heaven. In Matthew 7, he says, enter through the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the road that leads to destruction or to eternal hell. And many will enter through it. Lots of people headed toward hell. But small or narrow is the gate and narrow the road that leads to life, eternal life. And only, he says, only a few will find it. Only a few will find it. In Luke chapter 23, verse 43, Jesus is hanging on the cross. He's been crucified and he's with two other criminals He's between them. They're, they're, they're at both sides of Jesus. And one of them puts his faith and trust in Jesus. He says to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come in your kingdom. And so he already knows that he's going to die and that there's something after this life. That was the belief of the day. They all knew this. Nobody questioned this even a criminal on a cross. And he says, Jesus, remember me when you come in your kingdom. That says a whole boatload about what's next. And Jesus says to him those words, today, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise. First, let me deal with an issue that comes up out of this thief on the cross uh, scripture, okay? The idea, the salvation issue, okay? Because people want to point at this and say, look, you don't have to do anything. Look at the thief on the cross. He never was baptized into Jesus. He didn't do anything. Therefore, nobody else has to either. Well, that's not a very good way to approach the scripture on a whole, okay? Because Obviously, this man on this cross is an exception to every salvation rule out there. And clearly, Jesus can grant salvation to anybody he wants on any term that he wants. Okay, so let's just keep that in mind. The pattern, though, the pattern that we have is is found in the book of Acts. It's found in the New Covenant. It's found in the teachings of Jesus. It's found in pretty much the rest of the Bible. Okay, so please, let's not, let's not take one thing that happened, one event, and establish some kind of pattern for salvation with it. That is not a pattern. A pattern is something that happens over and over again. This is clearly a one-time thing, and we don't know of any other time that Jesus did this, okay, or said these words to anybody ever. So, when it comes to the salvation issue, don't use this as a pattern for salvation. This is not a pattern. We have pretty much the whole New Testament that establishes 
the pattern for us. Okay, let's follow the pattern. Okay, now about paradise, 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 okay? Thinking about paradise, meaning a place of beauty. When Jesus said, you will be with me in paradise, you will be with me in a place that is so glorious and so beautiful and full of wonder and awe that you'll, your jaw will just drop to the ground as you wander around looking at how gorgeous it is. Like gardens, there's lots of gardens around the world and in, in the United States that are just beautiful gardens. And so when he uses the word paradise, he's, he's referring to a place of beauty and a place of wonder and awe that a human being could kind of grab onto, back then especially. Back in the day, like, like a king, a king's palace would have this beautiful garden where he would bring in all these flowers and arrangements and trees and he'd just walk out in his garden and he'd look over his garden and it'd be beautiful, right? It was the king's garden. It was a, a place of great like wealth and expense and beauty and just, um, just a, a place of peace, paradise, nature, colorful, beauty. And so then the idea tied directly into the term, this term, that was a well-known term then, paradise of delight. The paradise of delight, which then referred to the Garden of Eden. So we remember the Garden of Eden back in Genesis 1, when God creates the garden there, Genesis 2. He puts Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, this place of beauty, this place of eternity, this place of like gloriousness before sin enters the world, right? In Jewish thought, the Jews follow me in this, we're going to kind of go down this idea of paradise. The Jewish thought was this, that the idea had a figurative, uh, a figurative interpretation with it, like paradise uh, and uh, paradise of delight or the Garden of Eden. And the, the Jews referred to paradise as, get this, Abraham's bosom. So he went to be with Abraham's bosom, in Abraham's bosom, which means Abraham's in heaven, and they went to be with Abraham as a child of Abraham's, who is then a child of God's. And so heaven, Eden, paradise, the bosom of Abraham. We see that in the story of Lazarus and the rich man, right? Uh, he went to be in Abraham's bosom. Abraham's bosom then remember we're talking paradise, contrasted another place, the opposite place, just like the, the wide road leads to eternal hell and destruction, the narrow road leads to eternal life and it's narrow. And so they got these two, two eternal places that we're talking about. One is Abraham's bosom and the other is Gehenna. Gehenna, the, the, a real place that everyone back then understood outside the city gate of Jerusalem of a it was a place of death it was a place of where they burned trash where where children were were sacrificed to the god of Molech and and Gehenna represented this place of pain and this place of stench and this place of death symbolic for the place of hell and so we have Abraham's bosom and paradise and we have Gehenna, or the place of hell, where there's great torment and fire never ceases and worms and maggots and disgust. 
And Jesus says to this man, so in his mind and in everybody's mind in that time, they understood these two places. They were real places, but they were also spiritual places. And Jesus says, today you will be with me in paradise. Not hell, but in paradise. And in Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, it says, Whoever has ears, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. To the one who is victorious, we already saw that word victorious. Oh, death, where is your sting? It's been swallowed up in victory. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to eat from the tree of life, which is in the paradise of God. Future. In the future, you will eat from the tree of life that Adam and Eve weren't supposed to eat from, but we're going to eat from that and have eternal life in the paradise of God, which is this glorious heavenly place, this eternal destination, a paradise of eternal proportions. There is something after this life. And it's not short-term, it's not temporary, and it's not of this flesh and blood and physical. It is beyond time and space as we know it, and it will last forever. What's next? What's next? Is there life after death? Is there something next? According to the scriptures, according to the scriptures, yes, there is eternity is what's next and eternity eternity awaits for every one of us we will all enter into eternity that is what's next for you and that's what's next for me and for every person that has ever lived is living or will ever live eternity eternity is what's next we're going to stop right there, and next week we're going to dig into word number two and word number three about this topic, answers to this question, what's next? God bless you guys. Have an amazing week, and I will see you next time. God bless you.